talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. After a long hiatus, back and better than ever with John Mita. I am Joe O'Donnell. Thanks for checking us out on all your various podcast platforms. Uh, Johnny Mita, we're... uh, well, I just saw an anchor. We've got like 3,000 plays or clicks. Now, I don't know if that's cumulative, including our SoundCloud days or what, but to see 3.3K for total clicks or listens or whatever was pretty cool as we were uh, we were getting on here to connect. So appreciate all the love and support from everybody. We're going to try and bring it today, and I hope you're doing well, my man. Yeah, doing well. Looking forward to uh, – there's so much to talk to. and There's some good things happening in Philly sports, so finally we're uh... – Getting some good vibes, as they say, right? So. All right, well, let's let's lead there with the 10-9-8-76ers. Sunday, they mm-hmm. kick off the playoffs, the NBA playoffs, and the Sixers clinch the one seed, 49-23 and in the regular season, a game better than Brooklyn, who seemed down the stretch like they didn't care about the one seed. We'll see if it makes them pay, you know, if that costs them or not. Uh, still don't know the opponent. It's either going to be the uh, – Washington Wizards or the Indiana Pacers, they play tonight. Uh, both teams four games under 500 right now as part of that NBA play-in tournament. So we don't know the opponent yet, but we do know it's Sunday. And I will just lead with this. I am I'm very pumped. I think this team has a legitimate chance, more so than the last couple of years when we hyped ourselves up. And the other thing I really like, John Mita, is all the rest in the world for this team. And with a good coach and a veteran group and a superstar in Joel Embiid who could use some time off on those legs, I think this is the best-case scenario for them to walk in and absolutely blow the doors off one of these bum teams that barely sneaks in, get out the brooms, dust them off quickly, and continue to move on. I got the Sixers routing game one. I don't care who they're playing. I got them cleaning up in this series. Very, I think this team's going to be locked and loaded. And if there's one sport for me where I don't worry about rust, I feel like it's basketball. Because you go out and have a shoot-around, it's really no different shooting in an empty gym or a gym with your fans behind you, in my opinion. You might feel differently, but I feel like there's, you know, hockey sometimes, you lose your your hands or a goalie maybe gets cold. Baseball, layoff sometimes with with guys in in their hitting zone. I feel like in basketball, you can just step in and rest is a huge weapon. We'll see how they do. Your thoughts on the 10-9-8. Trust the process, 76ers. Well, I mean, if people recall, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn. I don't want to clap myself on the back, but I'm going to. Now, they missed out on my prediction at the beginning of the season. I was hoping they were going to go 50-23. and 23. I'll take it. They won 49 games. Um, I, I'd like the spot they're in. Uh, I, I don't care what anyone says to this day. You could give me Nikolai Jokic. You could give me Steph Curry. You could give me all these other. Chris Paul did a nice job. But in my opinion, 
take it to the grave, take it to the bank, take it to wherever you want to. Joel Embiid, to me, was the MVP of this season. I don't care what anyone says. I know he missed 19 games, but what he did on both ends of the floor is just simply remarkable. The only way to stop that man is to double and triple team. So I'm very excited. I love the fact that that the Sixers were able to lock down the number one seed. It, it does so many things for the organization. Think about it. Number one, they get some rest. They, they get some much-needed rest. They had a couple people nicked up at the end of the season. Ben Simmons missed some games uh, with some injuries. Joel Embiid missed some games. Matisse Seibel. Uh, Toby missed a couple games. There's a couple people in and out. Seth Curry. So this is just great because of this playing tournament. It gives them like nine days. So I'm sure Doc gave him a couple days off to just, you know, refresh, kind of reinvent themselves, just take some time off, and then get that laser focus back. I also like the fact that even though they brought in George Hill at the trade deadline, he's only played a handful of games with the organization. I think towards the end of the, the year, he kind of got a better inclination of what his role for this basketball team is. And, and keep in mind, too, the way this schedule set up this year, they were playing so many games back and forth, back and forth. And, and there was really zero practice time. This team is deep. We've seen it. They go eight, nine, ten deep. The way that Tyrese Maxey is playing lately, he deserves some playoff minutes. So coming off the bench, you're probably going to get some Maxey. You're going to get some George Hill. Dwight Howard's been nothing but a, a, a just a just a very underrated free agent pickup to back Joel and beat up. Just big time contributions out of him. Shake Milton's been been that scoring punch off the bunch, off the bench. I mean, Cork uh, Mons. So I mean, there's going to be and 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 also and uh, you can't forget is the season defensively the Matisse Thibel has had this year has just been pretty remarkable for the minutes this young man has been given. And when it comes down to it, that's really going to be the huge difference. So the good thing is they locked down the first seed. What does that mean for this organization? That means that they're going to have to play two opponents before they face either the Nets or the Milwaukee Bucks, which is huge. Because then those two teams can beat the crap out of each other, hopefully in like a seven-game knockout dragout series. And by the time one of the two of those teams makes the NBA Finals, the Sixers are dialed in, ready to go. This is um, a huge opportunity. I love the coaching staff. I've been tuning their horns all year. They seem to be very dialed in. And it's really going to come down to a couple players. I mean, obviously, the big three between Embiid, uh, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris is going to have to be as good as he was during the regular season. But this is a huge moment for Ben Simmons. And I know I've been one of the largest Ben Simmons detractors. But if he could prove us all wrong, this would be great. Um, you know, some of the things that he just needs to do is just don't turn the ball over, play fantastic defense, but be aggressive. Do not, do not get in that shell where you're not aggressive. I think the one thing that worries me if I were to look at a weakness on team on this team is if Joel Embiid gets double teamed, a lot of times the offense, if you look at the tape and the film, is that the offense is very stagnant, right? So what they teach you is when you get double teamed as a big man, if you have the ball in the post, your inclination is to look opposite, and that's where the open man is. The problem is everyone is spreading out with the spacing, which is fine, but nobody is making an easy pass for him once he gets double teamed. So whoever's man leaves their man to go double team Joel Embiid, that person has got to make a cut to the hole or just get 
to a spot where Joel can make an easier pass as opposed to trying to rifle make these impossible passes cross-court, diagonally. It's very difficult. So hopefully Doc didn't really show his hand in the regular season because towards the end of the year, that's why Joel Embiid wasn't really hitting his 30-point margin because they were just double-teaming and triple-teaming the crap out of him. So all in all, I feel extremely good about it. I think this team has as good as any to uh, to, to to go to the NBA Finals and perhaps win it. Uh, the West is going to be, you know, a dogfight, but that's completely wide open. But this team has proven they can play with anybody. But it, it, it's going to be awesome ride, and I'm totally looking forward to it. Who do you look? Who do you like to come out of the West, John Mina? Mm. If the Sixers are the eventual Eastern Conference champs, who do they play? I mean, this team's been knocking on the door. I really think. You know, I, I might have even said Denver, but but the loss of Murray to that team is just yep. – it's just it, – they just – I don't think they can overcome it. I mean, I think Utah has as good a shot as anybody. I mean, they shoot the ball from three-point land extremely well. You know, you can't count out LeBron and Lakers, but – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't I'd say Phoenix or Utah from the little Fe- bit I Yeah, I, 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 I kind of like those two teams. And if – again – and I know this is a dark horse, but let me tell you something. If Damian Lillard and McCollum get hot, you know, they've added some pieces and they're completely healthy and ready to go. They could be a sleeper team to make the finals. So, but I'm with you. I think, I think, I think the two favorites are definitely Utah and Phoenix. They pay, they played the best in the West. And obviously that's why they're the number one in two seasons. I'll say one thing more on this. If the Brooklyn Nets get to the finals with their super team and not having played in the regular season, it just proves that the NBA regular season is a complete joke. It's exactly how they wanted to set it up. And I'll just be extremely disappointed in the National Basketball Association to watch those bums, you know, just kind of coast through the year and turn it on when it matters. Yeah. Um, But that's just me. Well, no, and 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 it's got to piss off the fan. I mean, look at the the, the TV ratings a, have been dropping like like the Titanic right now, and and that particular sport. Again, I don't know what that's due to. I don't know if it's a little bit of both. If it's people not as interested, but it's the regular season now. Again, just like any of the professional sports, when it comes to playoffs, it's just a different level, right? It's awesome to see. It's it, it's great theater. It's great, you know, watching watching these types of events. But I'm with it. And the other problem is too. It's it, it's the low management. You know, so many times all these star players are just sitting out. You know, you save up all your money to go see somebody play, and it's like, oh yeah, they're going to take the night off. You know. That type of thing did not exist in the 90s. So for all those people, you know, there was no such thing as that. You're going to take the night off and rest. And to hear, you know, the Hall of Fame induction was this was um, this past weekend. And what a great class between Kobe Bryant, uh, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, you know, three of the all-time, all-time greats uh, that this game has ever seen. But Vanessa put in her speech, Vanessa Bryant, uh, Kobe's always said, Kobe would play hurt. Because he he said, "What about all the people that just saved up money to come see me play?" And I, and I'm I've, I've always been a fan of Kobe's game, but you know that that was a pretty cool statement because you're right. Like when you go and you buy tickets, you're like, "Oh, I want to see LeBron." And then next thing you know, it's he, he's resting for the night. Like that sucks. And as a fan, and and that's 
that's how you're going to lose interest. You know, nobody wants to see that. You know, these guys make a really good amount of money. So for them to take the night off or, or a guy like Kyrie Irving, who I can't stand, right? You know, he's talking about, well, he doesn't want to play because of the conflict in the Middle East. And I get that, okay? I get that you have close ties and with your religion and everything else, and, and that's okay. But you're also getting paid to do a job. You know what I mean? Like, are, are our employers going to say, and I'm not trying to get all political at all. That's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm just saying is, you know, you get paid to do your job. So do your job, you know, just like anybody else, you know. If you're getting paid to be there, then you need to be there and be present. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, now the, now the new thing is now that people don't want you showing up to work sick. That's the one thing we can't we can have. But well, right. For years, it was like, ah, you're a little under the weather. You show up. Oh, yeah. Now it's like, whoa, stay home. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. And that that is one thing that has completely changed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Big time. If you're working in office, Even if you throw, and that's the other thing, you know, the world, the pandemic world that we've lived in the last year and a half, it's like, man, like I'm afraid to cough or sneeze in a super, I mean, anywhere, you know, everyone's like, yeah. oh, and you oh know what God, else I've like, noticed? I'm getting, I'm, I'm paranoid now. Like if I wake up one morning, I'm not feeling great. I know. In the afternoon, I'm kind of like tired or I got a headache. I'm like, oh, yeah. I get the Rona. And it's crazy I because I just testing, right? I tested every day except for one. One day uh-huh. from January, I don't know, 15th probably until basically May 15th. Did you get the every nostril sob every day? Was it the well, nostril sob? It started with the brain tickler for oh, about gosh. a month, three oh, and a half gosh. weeks or a month. Oh, the company we were using went to like a little like swab around the inner nostril. Okay. So yeah, not yeah, nearly yeah. as bad. You're not yeah, that, 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 that's a lot more tolerable. It was. It was every day I'd take my, take my temperature, filling out yeah. this thing on what they call the Edge 10 app. Uh-huh. I'd go in and put no symptoms, put in my temperature. Then I could, quote, unquote, access the building. And then it was get tested. And that was every day minus one. And the only reason we didn't test that day is our travel plans got screwed up. We got stranded in Denver. Long story short, we ended up staying the night. That was the only reason because we just couldn't pull it off in short, short order, finding tests, whatever. Outside of that, I tested every day. For like four days, five days, I'm like, man, it was kind of nice knowing, like, if I didn't hear from anybody, I knew I was still negative, <laughs> you know? And sure. now it's like, I have no idea. Like, I'm fully vaccinated, but you can still get it, right? And so, like, if I'm yeah. not feeling good for 20 minutes or an hour, you know, it's kind of wonderful to have it, you know? Whereas in the past, if you just didn't feel good, it's like, oh, maybe I got a cold or maybe it's. Yeah, like, well, and I was talking with somebody rate. about this. God forbid you have the regular flu again. Like, nobody even knows what the hell that is these days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, All right, Johnny B, I want to jump into the NHL playoffs. Uh, Do it. First, any, any thoughts from you on seeing fans back in ballparks, stadiums, arenas, even though we're not full capacity yet in some markets, it feels like we're back from a sporting standpoint, doesn't it? it it's, it's about damn time, which is great, and it's just – and I think it's it's great for everyone, right? It's great for the fan bases of all these teams, but it's also yep. got to make a huge difference for the players. You know, so many of them, I've read articles, they're like, man, it was just weird not playing out in fans. They just, it, it's it's the energy that the fans, you know, that, that they bring to the game. So, so great to see. Obviously, news has come out. 
probably looking to a full capacity in every NFL stadium this year. That's going to be incredible. Hopefully, if the Sixers make the NBA Finals, we'll have 20,000 yahoos scream their head off down at Wells Fargo. The building will probably be shaking at that point. So, yep. so, so great to see. And, you know, let's get the concerts back. Let's get everything back. Let's just get back, man. It's been a long road. You know, obviously, we need we all need to stay healthy and take the necessary precautions. But it's nice to see because, like, like for us, you know, being avid sports fans, obviously, you, Joe, being a commentator, being in the business of professional sports, um, it's just, it's just great. It's like the theater. It's just, it's just yep. something that we love, and we get to experience it the way it should be experienced, yeah. which is and incredible. We're back, and we're back to what we know and love. You know, that's changes, it. Change is good sometimes. Change is not good sometimes. That type of change that everybody endured, uh, challenge for everybody, certainly. But um, definitely nice to have a little bit more normalcy. I will add one thing to that. The one piece that's still kind of missing here, and I don't like it, as you just noted, being in the field I'm in, broadcasters aren't traveling a lot still. Uh, yeah. You watch some of these Stanley Cup playoff sure. games. You have a um, let's just say Tampa, Florida, one night on TV, and the next night he's doing Edmonton and Winnipeg. Well, let's be honest. Doc Emmerich back in the day would usually pull that off, but now they're just keeping the guy in the studio and he's calling you know, games all over the map back-to-back nights. That's not good for the business, my business. That's not good for the industry. And it's not good for the listener, the viewer. Um, it's just simply not the same. So I hope as time passes – Traveling parties increase, companies and organizations, these mega millionaire broadcast networks, they don't get so cheap where they tell the guy, just come in studio. Because it's, listen, from a broadcast standpoint, it's harder. From a broadcast standpoint, you lose out on so much. It's not as much fun, um, no matter how you slice and dice it. And the product's just not the same. So, uh, all right, to the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're underway. The Flyers ended up having a miserable season down the stretch. They missed out. Uh, didn't even finish close to a postseason berth, which is, you know, we'll dive into their offseason at some point. We'll also dive into the Phillies' maddening season that is basically a 500 year at some point. We got all summer for that, as you and I talked before we went on air. Um, but the Stanley Cup players are off and running. Tampa's off to a great start. Colorado looks like an absolute wagon. I think I put a little bit too much stock in how they – kind of just waltzed their way into the they had a COVID pause and they, they weren't as healthy as maybe they had been. Uh, they're blowing the doors off St. Louis, who has probably 15 Stanley Cup champions from a couple of years back. Penguins and Islanders has been a dogfight. The Caps and Bruins have played three overtime games out of three games so far. Tonight we get a little bit of that Canadian division, Montreal and Toronto. That's going to be a war. I think the Leafs just route them. But um, uh, overall, the Stanley Cup playoffs is back. I mean, that, that uh, St. Louis-Colorado game one, you had Landis Cog and uh, Gabriel Landis Cog and Braden Shen, Chuck and Knuckles, like, in the opening minute. I mean, what a series that uh, has been, at least from a physical standpoint. Vegas and Minnesota have played tooth and nail through the first couple of games with great goaltending. You've seen it all in the Stanley Cup playoffs, my friend. I'm not surprised, but it's just nice to have it back, especially with the atmosphere of the fans. And obviously, we got a couple more months of this, and I'm loving every second so far. Yeah, I mean, we kind of – I mean, I touched on it. Even last year, like, again, if you're not even a hockey fan, if you turn on one of these games, 
just the intensity level, I think, out of all the professional sports, hockey turns it up to, to a whole new level. So, and, and great matchups. And these are just first-round matchups. I mean, think about yeah. it. Some of these matchups you would say, like, oh, that's got to be like the semis, right, or the, or the conference finals. I mean, the fact that Boston and Washington are duking it out, right? I mean, it's just – or is it – no, is it right? Is it Boston and Washington? I messed up. Yeah. Is it Boston and Washington? Yeah, yeah, and then the cool part yeah. is they're going to reseed, right? So right. We're gonna and get, I like that. Yeah, so it, so we don't even know yet. Like, we know the divisions are going to play themselves out, but then we don't know who's playing who. Like, is the Canadian division going to play the East or the West? It's going to be based on, you know, seedings. Um, so that's kind of cool. There's almost like this – this unknown as to who's going to be in the conference finals because uh, there are no conferences this year because the Canadian division has been so isolated. And at some point I was talking to a local media member here in Des Moines about this and I hadn't really thought of it. He brought it up, but at some point the Canadian teams are going to have to come to the States and they're right. going to have to call somewhere in the States home. So they're going to yeah. lose any form of home ice advantage, any form of normalcy. It's going to be an uphill battle forever comes out of that division. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, that's, what did you, did you like the way, are you happy? I mean, just to ask you a question about hockey, like, are you going to be glad that this, the divisions will probably go back to normal next year once everything, once we're kind of at the end of the tunnel of this? this Great question, John Mita. I will say that the Canadian division, I don't watch a ton of it, but I know what those folks up there are like, and I know what it means to them to just beat the snot out of each other every night. I'm sure for the players, it's like, uncle, give me a But I got to sure. say, um, it was fun for a year to see how that all played out. There weren't a lot of trades in season. It was just sort of like these mini series, playing a team back-to-back or, you know, three times in five nights between the same teams. Like that type of stuff you don't get in a normal year. I think right. maybe they'll adopt some of that moving forward. I think you'll see more of, you know, the Flyers to go to the Bruins and play them twice in their building. Um, as opposed to a home and home, or going from Boston to New York, like it just makes more sense. Maybe the maybe the season ticket holders aren't going to be huge fans of it, but I, I just think it makes more sense. Cut down on travel costs. Hopefully, keeps the guys a bit more fresh, um, and I think could make for a better product. So and better rivalries, and we might see more of that down the line. Uh, yeah, John- and like you and like you mentioned before too, like I would love to see the broadcasters go back and even like the beat reporters, like just let them in the locker room. Like, okay, like I mean, the fans need that, and if you want these sports to carry on and you want them to grow and you want them to come back to to the high levels that which they were before, obviously pre pandemic, then you need to start doing that as well. Yeah, Mike Sealski wrote a great piece on that the other day, um, how it's important for the reporters to tell the real story by having access to everybody on a practice day. Absolutely. Um, You know, I want to go up to so-and-so's stall and talk to them. I can't. As opposed, you know, I'm writing a feature on this guy. Easy for you to get access. When the team presents it or you have to reach out and request the permission or after a game you're given two guys who you didn't choose, it definitely limits your ability to tell the story or to ask the questions you want. Um, I'm sure the teams like it a little bit better the way it's been going now that they're used to it. But from a – you know, a fair and open criticism standpoint, they got to get things a little bit more back skewed to the other side of what we were used to for so many years. Um, all right, to the NFL draft. Uh, our apologies for not being on sooner. We got-
guy, or at least one of them, and Devontae Smith, Devonta, Devontae, who the hell knows? He's going to wear number six. He's going to absolutely ball out. Uh, you and I are pumped. Eagles Nation was pumped. After that, the draft, a giant question mark, shocker with Howie in charge. Could pay dividends. Some of the risks they took could be an absolute dud based on injuries or what have you. We'll see how it plays out. Your thoughts on the Eagles draft? Well, I mean, listen, I'll give Howie credit. They got Devontae Smith, obviously the Giants. It was a guy that they targeted as well. And for them to make a trade with the Cowboys, and they basically essentially trade the 84th pick, which was the one that they got, um, the uh, third-round pick that they received in the Carson Wentz deal with Indianapolis. So they didn't really have to give up much um, to move up and get their guy. And they also acquired a first-round draft pick. So from that standpoint, they also drafted guys from Alabama. We kind of left the last podcast. If they get somebody from Alabama, we're going to be happy. Um, I think the biggest domino in the draft was once the quarterback, J.C. Horn, went to Carolina at seven, and then Denver pulls the trigger, you're like, all right, well, is it going to be – you're going to be able to trade to get the corner um, uh, Patrick Sertan. You'd have to either get up to Carolina's spot or Denver – to jump ahead of Dallas to get one of the corners. And and it turned out great. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Devontae Smith. I think he's an absolute stud. Uh, you know, the second-round pick, I mean, I don't know what this team sees, but at some point we have to dress the position of cornerback because if they yeah. think they have some young, talented, good corners that they need to groom, you know, please let me know. My number is 610 Five to whatever everyone is like, <laughs> but seriously, and the position of linebacker like is, is Sean Bradley, the guy they drafted from Temple last year, going to come on and do big things? Is Davion Taylor, the project from safety um, from Colorado, that they moved the linebacker? Is he going to be a stud? Now they they did sign Wilson in the offseason, which was a good signing. Um, who came from the Vikings, but. Again, this this team going in the draft, the weakness position was was corners, was wide receivers, which we addressed, but you know the secondary, but um, and, and linebacking, which they never attend to address. But um, I think a good sleeper pick. I like the running back uh, from Memphis. I think you know when I saw that they drafted him, I'm like, man, this guy is exactly like Naeem Hines. Name Hines plays for the Colts. If you look at him, they are like carbon copies. Uh, Gainwell is the same type of player. So he th- he could be a decent pick. So all in all, if I were to give a draft grade, you know, I'd probably give it a B. Um, it's a lot of wait and really? see. that high? Well, I mean, I'm, you I'm being really polite. Like, you, might, you must really like Gainwell. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do. Right? I do That's like Gainwell. Name, the kid from Memphis? You're right. Exactly. And again, in these drafts, you got to bag three, four stars. Again, listen, Dickerson, I didn't realize, like, I know the guy's a stud. However, I didn't realize that his injury history looked like Allen Iverson after playing 13 years in the NBA. But um, another Alabama kid, if he pans out, then they might have had a really good draft. I just, there's a couple people that I liked, of course, they didn't take, and I can't wait to always say, yeah, I told you so. I knew that guy was going to be a stud. But and then the third round pick, the defensive tackle. Apparently, this guy had an amazing pro day again, but playing in a weaker conference. So, no, I know. And again, D tackle. And everyone saw the, the 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 film in the room where Howie's, you know, giving out high fives. Like, yeah, man, we got our guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Donahoe's and, like beat it with a stick. 
Ah, he was like, yeah, congratulations, Howie. Probably another loser pick by you. But the good the good thing is this team's armed armed up with the artillery for next year with three the potential of having three first round draft picks because they're gonna get Miami's pick. It's really a crapshoot of how well they'll finish. If Carson Wentz does his job and plays a lot of the snaps, they get Indy's pick, and then they'll have their own. So they'll have firepower with some to maybe land some starters. So we should all get ready to make a trip out because the draft next year is going to be in Las Vegas and it'll be right back at the old – they're going to drive the draft picks up, you know, in the gondola, in the boats right behind the uh, Bellagio. So that nice. could be another nice trip. But anyway, I don't know. Uh, all in all, I give it a B. But I'm just glad that they gave this young man – I'm glad they gave Jalen Hurts a, a, a weapon. Like right now, Devontae Smith – the guy hasn't even played a snap and mark it down. He's already the best wide receiver on the football team, period. And it's not even close. I'll, it's, I'll add this. I'll add this. Yeah. I am more excited now than I was probably when last season ended. And I'm sure. not really sure why. I don't think it's the head coach. You know, I don't think it's the defensive coordinator. I don't think it's the draft. I just think as time has passed now, there's a lot of haters out there on Jalen Hurts. A lot of well, we're not sure yet. I don't know what this guy did to make everybody think he can't play in the NFL. Because if you remember, let's scroll back to November and December when Carson Wentz was flat out god-awful and you and I had finally had enough and the rest of Philadelphia had, had enough. And Hertz came in and played pretty damn well against the Packers. Now, granted, Green Bay had taken their foot off the pedal, but he kept it close. He almost got him back in it. And he beats the Saints. He had a hell of a game against the Cardinals, and they lose a shootout. The next game against the Cowboys, he starts with an absolute bomb right in stride to Deshaun, and we're all thinking we're going to the playoffs, or at least I was. Now, granted, the rest of the Cowboys game, he really struggled, but he was also getting his face beat in by that line, and the Eagles defense couldn't stop anybody. And then, if I'm not mistaken, the only game left after that was the Redskins game, unless they played the Giants in there somewhere, and I'm forgetting that. And the Redskins game, he got pulled. Was he great? No. But I think overall, if you took a look at the, I don't know, 18 quarters of football he played or whatever the hell it was, I'd say that more than, way more than half of them were positive quarters where you saw something, where you saw some energy, the ability to make play. Everybody wants to chirp his accuracy. I don't remember watching games going, God, he can't hit anybody. I mean, who was he throwing to? How much time did he have? I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a legit season. I'm on board with Jalen Hurts. And give me nine wins, ten wins if it's a 17-game season. And we'll go through the schedule at some point. And I know it's not an easy one. But I think if this team gets off to a good start, meaning 2-0, and I see a chance for them to start 5-1. and I'm just going to lob it out there from now. Jeez. I'm more optimistic than I was a couple weeks back. I think Devontae Smith has a chance to be a beast. I think the defense can't be any worse than it was. And the offensive line, if the offensive line – comes back with any semblance of health and stability, Jalen Hurts is going to put on a damn clinic this year, and you heard it here first. Well, I mean, you know what I don't like? And people could say this, and I've had these discussions. Like, I think it is another organizational failure not to name this guy the starting quarterback for your football team. And everyone's like, oh, why should – Yeah, it's the new guy. No, 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 I hear you. But like, oh, well, you know, why should they – why should they name him a starter? You know, everyone should earn their position. And, and this is what I have to say to that, okay? So many times in the last five years, it's like, whoa, should Foles be the quarterback? Is Carson Wentz our starter? Blah, blah, blah. Just 
Listen, you took Jalen Hurts in the second round. You traded Carson Wentz away. If you don't think he's a starting quarterback, then I don't know what the hell we're talking about or what right, we're doing. you're wasting a season. And you're, you're wasting, wasting a season. season. They Thank come you. out and tell us. Come out and yeah. tell us you're wasting a season. Because a lot of the indications and, show you don't care about this year. It's a transitional year. So exactly. either just come out and say it and, right. and just tell the kid, hey, good luck. Right. Or load up and try and win some goddamn football games because that's what your head coach is going to be preaching. He's going to be preaching these guys that make a lot of money, guys that are in their last couple of years of their career, young guys that want to make an impact. He's going to be preaching to be all in and play for each other and go out there and kick some you-know-what. But if on the interior with management, et cetera, you guys are kind of going, well, you know what? We got three first-rounders. We're going to make a move. We're No, uncle. I, I don't want Howie Roseman making moves, okay? No. He lucked out going from 6 to 12, then back to 10, and really getting their guy and adding a first round. Okay? I'll give him credit. Howie, yeah, yeah, good yeah. job. You no, finally yeah. hit the lottery. You well, the other thing made a move that worked out. But the this other... team, you know, they got to be all in. And the only way you're all in is with Jalen Hurts. Exactly. And, and it also signifies to every other player on your damn football team who the general of the squad is. Okay? Yep. You know, that you leave no doubt. Oh, is Joe Flacco going to come in? Then maybe some people will get in his camp. Then some people are in the Carson camp. Some people are in the Hurts camp. Another thing is the sample size. We don't know how good this kid is. We have no idea. All I know is there were stretches. He showed some flash. He shows. But anybody, we're playing with 17 to 18 to 20 different offensive line combinations. Good Lord. How can you even assess him as an accurate throw? How can you say, well, he's not good enough to get it done? You have no idea. From whatever sample size you took last year, throw that shit right out the window and, and, and move on. Because, like, but my whole thing is this, you know, this is a guy that went from Alabama, they, they got removed the national championship, Tua came in, you know, like he's been through the controversy before. My whole thing is if you just name the starting quarterback, it just gives a little confidence. We all know things could change. You know, if they trade for Deshaun Watson, if they if they make a trade for Aaron Rodgers, obviously we know who the start of the damn football team is. But at the same time, why not give this kid confidence? I know he wants to earn it, and I think he handled himself beautifully. Like, he's handled himself beautifully his entire career as far as when controversies come up. He handles himself like an absolute pro, which is great to see. And he wants a competition, and he wants it. He wants it, which is fantastic. My whole thing is, as the organization, man, just throw the kid a bone. But listen, you don't take the kid in the second round. And I've said this to people before. If you don't think he's going to be a starter for your football team, because just like you said before, if you did do that, you wasted another pick, and here we are again. Yep. Johnny Mita, before we bail on out of here, sure. I haven't watched any of the golf today, as I like to call it. Who wins uh -huh. the PGA Championship on Sunday, my friend? That's a great question, man. Well, this course is so crazy <laughs> because yeah, it's, it's like 70 – it's 7,800 yards. So it's – you know, you're going to have to carry a big stick and pound it out there. The other thing is your short game has got to be remarkable. Because it's just to navigate and with the conditions. I, I don't know. Like, in my, I mean, right now, the leaderboard, you got like Kepke, he's up there, Keegan Bradley. But I mean, stuff can change overnight, you know? And who knows? I mean, my dark shot sleeper is Victor Hovland, gets his first. And the, the PGA, it's weird because it's a major, it's like one of the weirdest majors because it's always, I mean, most of the time, it's not like the guy you think's going to win. It's like somebody out of nowhere, if you know what I mean. So your guess is as good as mine. And 
the last pool that we did with a major championship, I was in DFL from start to finish. So maybe I'm not the guy you want to talk to. Sports. You're not very good at fantasy. No, sports. no, I've been struggle. Hey, Earlier in my career, I've been a lot better. Lately, not so much. So maybe I don't know. What, All right, what, lastly. Yeah. Lastly, sure. Let's update everybody. Since sure. you've been just pulling triggers left and right, you bailed yeah. out. You pulled the Shake Milton Six yeah. Man of the Year, which was fine, <laughs> our little wager. And you went and reinvested it in some golf pool on, on some clown who didn't win without my permission. That's fine. We'll move on from that. The other day, you apologized for not pulling the JoJo for MVP soon. Uh, we ended up getting out for what we put in, which was $25. So we got our money back. And you and I discussed putting it into Devontae Smith for Offensive Rookie of the Year as soon as those odds are out. I like that. Yeah. But let me just lob this to you and our listeners. Uh, what if we took twelve fifty? And uh-huh. we put it towards JoJo to win finals MVP. And then we – can you even place that yet or you have to wait? You probably have to wait uh, for the finals. Um, I guess as soon as, as, soon as the first like, – That's not like the, like the con smite. Well, as soon as the, the, the playoffs start, I think. Like as soon as the first round becomes official, right. we might be able to – Yeah. Let's keep our eye on that. And the Sixers are 7-2 to, to uh, you know, to win the whole shebang. I like Devontae Smith for Offensive Rookie of the Year because it's good value, and I think you and I both think he's going to have a, a Justin Jefferson-type impact. Now, that yeah. might be a little outlandish. Yeah, yeah. But I could see 8 to 10 touchdowns, and I don't know who – right? I don't know that it's going to be Waddle. What do you think What do you think about this one? Just a quick update. 1250 on Ben Simmons at plus 1100 to win the Defensive Player of the Year. Well, the other thing is these writers have bias against Philadelphia – because they did the whole process, so well, that's hold, another reason why we're the getting fact screwed. that Simmons doesn't shoot against them, you know, like it, you know, well, that's just, true, right? Yeah, right. You know, Even though it's defensive player of the year award, right. if they give it to Rudy Gobert, it's like how yeah. many good centers? Yeah. How many good centers does that guy face in the Western Conference? It's like when One? you just keep you keep handing out the Selkie Trophy in hockey to the same guy, or like, right? So exactly. Let's, yeah. Let's really look at the meat and potatoes, not just well. This guy's always in the conversation. So exactly. Anyway. All right. I well, agree. you know, you, you owe me a beer at some point, but we'll take that. Hey, a lot more than that, buddy. We should have we should got out at plus two hundred thirty-seven, plus one fifty. Oh, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Well, uh, one, yeah, well, one fifty. Then it dropped like the Titanic in in about three days. We'll take cash out, which is a smart move. And we'll bring it back. We'll, we'll, right. I'll be in touch. All right. You go. Thanks for everybody tuning in. Brotherly Love Podcast. Love it. Appreciate all the support. John Mita, in a couple of weeks, I'll see you, man. We'll knock out one in person. You got it. Maybe down at the shore. We'll, we'll get one live and in color down at the shore. Come see us. We'll, we'll find a location. We're going we're gonna, to. What show are we up to, Joe? Are we close to 200? We, we, are, be- we are closing in. We might want to watch our pace and see if we can't do something at the lovely Icona. For all right. All right. But, you got uh, it. Appreciate all love and support for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. Go Sixers, 10-9-8. Trust the process. Let's and get it. And go Phils. Until next time, we'll see.